Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I'm here today with Amy Hostan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. I hope you're both keeping warm. It's gotten crazy cold here on the East Coast. Well, I have to turn off my space heater to talk to you guys, but other than Me this too. hour, yes. Although I have to say, one of my daughters who's in Chicago, it's been like negative nine. So Ooh. I feel like it's balmy here at, you know, 19 degrees. <laughs> it's lucky. cold out, but I look it's out so my cold. window at literally nine foot high banks of snow oh my God. that they've created because they had to clear out visitor parking spaces and clear out our driveways. And the plus side is I didn't have to plow any snow, which was really nice. But the downside is there are just mounds of snow here that I think will still be here in June. I've, you know, it's so funny you said that because I remember maybe it was five years ago we had snow like this, like there was a winter like this. I don't remember which year it was. And I remember being in Boston at like the end of April and there was still <laughs> these like mounds of snow. And I had the same thought. I'm like, yeah, those are just going to be there. Like, yeah, <laughs> Did, once it gets compacted like that. Didn't Rebecca, you and I you... go to Boston for some sort of conference? Yes, for Sandbox Summit. That's when yes, it was. Yes. It was Sandbox Summit. Remember how cold it was? Yes. And there was still and like mountains so of snow. snow. Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> nope, not not going anywhere. It's just going to be the in July. There'll just be a nice little ice bank right here. Today on the show, uh, today on the show, we are going to talk about a series that the New York Times did this week called The Primal Scream. <laughs> Um, and it is all about how our country or society as a whole, I guess it's not just the United States, has turned their back on moms and how moms are bearing the brunt of COVID um, and what is going on with their families and that moms are really at a breaking point. Um, and it's it's going to be a larger problem for all of us, for everyone in this world, if you know, moms are dropping out of the workforce in record numbers. Um, moms' mental health is becoming seriously imperiled. I, I think we just have a lot of um, families on the breaking point, but particularly the moms. And it's interesting because New York Magazine also did their cover story this week is also um, more about how women in general are bearing the brunt in the workforce and dropping out in record numbers. But it also talks about moms. So we're going to talk about what on earth is going on and what can be done. Can anything be done? And um, I don't know. And just trying to kind of work through what all this means. And then we will also have our bites of the week. All right. So the New York Times came out with this. I should preface it by saying one of the things they did, obviously, when preparing for this massive um array of stories is they opened a phone line and invited women to just yell <laughs> or say whatever they wanted into the phone for a minute. Um, and they collected all of these audio clips of moms. And it does seem like it's mostly moms, but that could also be how they edited it. Um, just letting loose on what's driving them crazy, where they're at mentally, maybe just screaming. So why don't we listen to a clip to get us started? 
Welcome to the New York Times Primal Scream Line, where the floor is yours to yell, laugh, cry, or vent for a solid minute. I just wanted to say, I'm so sick of my goddamn kids. This pandemic has made me realize that maybe I'm not cut out to be a mother. I am doing my sixth load of laundry today. Um, and I'll I'll read you a couple of the statistics they had because I thought this was kind of crazy. Um, 4,637,000 payroll jobs have been lost by women during this pandemic. Um, one of the stats in the New York Magazine article, not so much in this New York Times one, is that that's because women... Are make up the bulk of hospitality and service jobs. Hmm. Um, so a lot of the jobs that have been lost in this have disproportionately affected women. Um, but 32% of the women ages 25 to 44 who lost their jobs said childcare was the reason that they had to be home to deal with um, childcare and homeschooling. So they actually had to drop out. It wasn't because their businesses just closed, which is horrifying. Um, they said, uh, 48% of black mothers, um, 48% of black mothers said the pandemic had a major impact on their ability to pay for necessities like food and utilities and housing. These are scary stats. 48%. Yep. 9%, um, of unpartnered moms were a so it was a nine percent drop in the labor force of unpartnered moms, which is the largest among all groups of parents. So single moms had the largest drop in uh, employment out of everyone, which makes um, sense. Yeah, because they, they have to no, tweet. they don't have anybody else. Yeah. Um. So like these stats are just s- terrifying. Um, and I think also goes to show why kids have to get back in school <laughs> like if kind of tackle one issue at a time of what rolled across moms this you know over the last year i think the closing of the schools has to be number one yeah because you know a lot of people are are trying to turn it around i don't think they're wrong but they're they're trying to turn it around and saying okay when did school become the answer to everything you know, why are we using schools and teachers to solve every problem? And now that school isn't available, we have all these problems. Well, because when you sign up to be a parent, I I don't think anyone expects to have to make it a full-time 24-7 job and just give up everything for 18 years. Like, that's not how society works. Right. And also, school is childcare. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, we don't have subsidized childcare in this country. <laughs> So if your child spends, you know, eight to four or eight to three in school, that is time you can work. Right. And then you might probably have an after school situation that you're dealing with. And then you have like whatever it is that you already had to figure out all these little pieces um, to fill your workday with childcare. Now that's just gone. Right. Now it's 
12 hours a day you have to fill, maybe not three or four extra hours a day you have to fill. Right. And because, I mean, you know, when I worked and my husband worked, I mean, aftercare, after school care was a given. I mean, it wasn't like any of anybody could be there at three o'clock and pick him up and take him home and have play dates. I mean, that's just the way it was. So when you say, you know, why is it this way? Well, it is this way. That's what people were used to. That's what people were doing. It is school, but it's also someone else is taking care of your child. So you could get on a bus or get on a train and go to work. And if that is taken away from you, then you can't do the things that you normally do every day. Right. And then add to it that now you're the teacher. So not only did you lose where your child was during the day, but let's face it, remote school ain't working so well. So most moms now are also the ones responsible for being on top of their kids about their assignments, making sure that remote school is happening. You know, sometimes, I mean, one of the moms they profiled in this article, like her daughter has special needs. You know, she's nonverbal autistic. So she also has this was, I thought, out of all the profiles, like she's on her work calls on her computer. She has one headset, <laughs> one earbud in basically for her work call on mute. And then she has the other earbud in is for her daughter's laptop next to her to hear her daughter's teacher at the same time so that she can make sure she's able to respond for her daughter on that laptop because her daughter's like nonverbal and needs help. So she's literally doing her work and her daughter's remote school at the same time, one out of each ear. Like if there wasn't a metaphor for what is going on, I don't, I just don't know what else it could be. Um, I mean, that woman's like a hero to a degree that's incomprehensible to me. Um, it's interesting. There's a, there's a woman, um, a friend of mine, who is a speech therapist for special needs kids. And they've been doing virtual for, you know, a, a huge amount of time. And they're just going back in the classroom now in small numbers. And she said that it's just night and day, especially with those kids, because she can see them, you know, in person. She can get a sense of their whole body. They can see her. And that it's it's not only difficult for parents and kids doing the Zoom school thing, but it's just as hard for teachers because they just don't get a sense. You know, the parent is sitting there right with them. You know, they don't get a sense of, can the child say, I need to go to the bathroom, you know, the way that they would if they were in the classroom. So I think it's a lose-lose all around for everybody, the kid, the teacher, the parent, everybody. Oh, I think so, too. And, you know, the thing that we haven't really gone into is that for a lot of people, friends and family are their backup. You know, grandma is help. And COVID took that away, too. You know, it's yeah. like every single fail safe that people had in place was just ripped away from them. And what's crazy about that is it shows how tenuous all of that was. The fact that like just individually people were constantly scrambling to figure those things out so that everything fell like a domino, right? It's like the school's closed, which meant your aftercare closed. Now COVID hits the grandparents. So like you're scared for them. So now grandparents are shut off. Like everything that people had lined up because there's no other safety net in place just fell. And then you couple that with people who maybe still were forced to go to work in person, right? So it's hard enough for people who also went remote for their job and now you're all managing at home, everyone trying to be remote and school and all this. But how about if you were also now a parent who was expected to go work in person or lose your job? 
and your child is doing remote school. And now what? Like, or even those those companies that were just, I'm sorry, complete assholes about it who said, okay, you cannot be responsible for your children while you're remote working. Right. What? You know, and, and that's kind of, the, that particular thing wasn't talked about in the New York Times piece, but they did talk about a couple of ways in which, you know, things that, things were just made worse for no reason for the parents. Like, you know, the mom who's sitting in her, her kid's school's parking lot trying to download that week's oh work God. because the only way that you can get it is on the school's system. So, like, you have to be on the school's Wi-Fi in the parking lot to actually get it. And Or there, there was another one, um, the woman who had to go into work but didn't want to, you know, asked to work at home because the receptionist at work refuses to wear a mask. Right. Like, why Why is that yeah, a thing? Yeah, that's just a whole other thing. <laughs> that, that's like a completely other conversation. That so should like, not be a thing. All these difficulties just snowball, these things that shouldn't even be factors. Right. Right. So what happens is a lot of people just quit work, right? Even though they desperately need the money, maybe they don't, maybe their elderly parents live with them and they don't want to risk going to work and then exposing their elderly parents. I mean, there's so many different reasons. And, you know, for, for companies right now, not to make accommodations for people who have issues with either younger kids or older parents, it's really unconscionable. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's no government regulations in place to prevent that, you know, because, like there's rules, right, about discriminating about, against moms when they're pregnant um, to a degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but this idea of flexibility, again, it's going to be your wealthiest um, companies. You know, you're seeing it with like a Facebook or a Google, like those companies. OK, they'll say to all their employees like, hey, here's a here's a thousand like Google gave everyone a thousand dollars to like buy yourself a good office chair while you're remote. And maybe you need a monitor, you know, like that's not 99 percent of the American workforce. Right. The American most people had an employer who said this way or the highway. Um, you know, there were companies that expected people to just be on Zoom from nine to five, <laughs> like whether you had a meeting or not, like you just had to physically be on Zoom as if you were in the office, like they just saw it as the same thing, just somewhere else. Um, You know, I, I, it's like the workforce isn't worried enough about losing the people, which they should be, um, because ultimately they will suffer, right? Like you can't, you can't have miserable um, employees having mental breakdowns at home. So you just kind of wonder which of those companies is going to come out on top because they supported their employees, um, you know, which then will have better retention because it costs companies a lot of money to have to train new people, um, onboard new people, like all those things. So, you know, they have a they have a list in The New York Times on like how bad the U.S. was in helping working parents. So then they went through countries that did things. So like Australia offered free childcare to citizens for 14 weeks at the beginning, financial support for the childcare industry to ensure that providers were able to stay in business during closures. Schools largely remained opened. And parents got two weeks of paid care leave for unexpected school closures. Um, you know, like Vermont... Woohoo! 
<laughs> um, the statement the state made an investment of over forty million to keep child care centers open, including covering half of parents' tuition payments from March sixteenth to May thirtieth. Additional payments to child care centers have provided low cost care to children of frontline workers. Statewide paid sick leave includes caregiving during school closures. Like there were people who sort of stepped up and different companies that did like reimbursed um, employees for child care expenses and things that they incurred when schools closed. But those are rare. Like these were the outliers. These were not um, the normal things that were happening. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, there are places that are making it work, but it always depends on money. And one of the most frequent arguments that I see amongst my own friends on Facebook is, you know, well, my kid's Catholic school is making it work. Okay, they have tuition, they have money to do all of the precautions that the CDC says has to be done in order for it to be safe. So people just look at the headline like the CDC says it's safe for schools to open. So many schools didn't have the money for basics. They definitely do not have the money for the precautions that the CDC is talking about. So I totally get what teachers are saying. The teachers, the unions that don't want to go back, you know, it's like it's safe if you do these things. And most school systems don't do those things even in non-COVID times. They don't have the money. So I will tell you that, I mean, like my cousin's daughter's Catholic school, they didn't do any of those precautions. They're just open. Wow. And they well, exist- I've also heard and- that the Catholic schools just aren't reporting. Yeah, they just COVID happened. Like people, kids wore masks. There's no social distancing. Like COVID. There's a lot. There are school. a lot of whisper campaigns to not say that you're positive so that it doesn't yeah. look bad. So I mean that that also happened. You can't have that in a public school system. Like private schools can get away with a lot. The wealthy private schools have the space to spread out. Um. So of course, it's always like. I mean, Catholic schools to me are a little different because they tend to have a much less wealthy population. Um, and I think if if a lot of them were able to figure out how to stay open, kind of like good for them, to be honest. I don't I don't know. There are a lot of places that kept schools open and they had testing and they had all those things. But some of them didn't. And they just kind of knew that kids weren't getting sick, um, especially well, there, little kids. During the the very worst part in New York City, you know, all spring, um, there were daycare centers open for the kids of essential workers. Yes. With no outbreaks. Like, yeah. it, it can be done. There it were models be done. to do it's, it. It's a matter of will, right? And I, and I do think we might be at a point in the pandemic where parents now are, are losing their sympathy for... Um, teachers who I wouldn't keep even say closed. losing I wouldn't even say losing their sympathy because I don't know a single person who who would throw the teachers under the bus it's more like okay we want you guys to do this safely also let's all figure out how to do it safely we're not we're not saying that you're an okay risk you right. know but we if want you're vaccinated you maybe you can get back in the well, right well that's well, thing, I mean, that's precisely it if you're taking the precautions so in um Virginia where my stepdaughter's a teacher all the teachers were high up on the list, and every teacher in her school has now been vaccinated. 
And I think this week they were starting going back to hybrid learning and she was going back in the classroom and knowing that both she and all of her teammates had been vaccinated made her feel a whole lot safer than, say, Chicago's school system where they're saying back in the classroom and, you know, even though no one's been vaccinated yet. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think that because I know that I personally got way more, I was being careful to begin with, but I got doubly careful once the vaccine started rolling out because I was like, I don't want to be this careful for 10, 11 months and then get COVID, (laughs) you know, a month before I'm eligible for the vaccine. How dumb would that be? So. I don't blame anybody who doesn't want to go back to school, go, you know, a teacher to go back to school before they get the vaccine. We're so close. Just make it happen. Right. No, I I saw someone said, like, we have such a problem in a society that is more worried about opening our bars than our schools. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, that is so messed up. Um, And I think it's about the economy. It's about the economy. And so is school. So is schools. Right. Because then all this because I think what people when they're saying that somewhat, when they're opening the bars ahead of schools, it is again devaluing what moms do. Mm-hmm. And it is mostly moms. I think this New York Times survey said it was like 66% of people like reported it was the mom in the house doing the majority of caregiving. Um, and I think it's probably higher than that. Um, and it was, did that stat also say that was independent of who was making the money? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like even when the mom is the breadwinner, Still yeah. doing all that stuff. Or when they're equal. Yeah. Um, and it's always been that case, right? Like we had Darcy Lockman on last year talking about the second shift, right? That even in two income right. households or in breadwinner, you know, when the women's a breadwinner, the women's still doing the doctor appointment scheduling, right? The after school arrangements, all that stuff. So it's not surprising to me that during this, women were already were, were the ones picking up all the slack because that's already what was happening. Um, so it is, I think, a gross devaluation of the work moms and women do when you don't prioritize opening the schools also, because it's like, yeah, moms can do it. Yeah, they 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 do. They handle it. They're handling it just fine. Like, let's get our bars open so everyone can go watch their freaking sports games. And <laughs> that, you that know. reminds me of a comic of a cartoon that I saw on Facebook. I'll try to find it. It was actually about black women. But I think in this case, it could apply to moms where the the black woman is drowning and people are yelling from the shore. You're so strong. <laughs> you got this. Yeah, keep it Exactly. Up. <laughs> So what do we do? So what I mean, I've read all these articles and and they come out all the time. But what, you know, what can be done? Does it does it behoove companies to make policy? Is it a, um, you know, I don't really understand how we could better support working moms or even just moms right now in COVID. You know, what would overhaul every system in the United States from the bottom up? (laughs) Right. Exactly. But how do you fix it now? I mean, that's after. Then you look at it and you say, okay, this shouldn't happen again. But how do you fix it now? I mean, obviously, you know, going back to school would be a really good start. Right. So, I mean, you know, one of the things I talk about, one of the New York Times articles sort of breaks down like what you can do. Um, You know, it's written by a psychiatrist, but they go through societal stuff, too. And, you know, one one of the things they were saying is like, guess what? You like you couldn't have won in this situation. So usually the solution is like family friendly socioeconomic policy, which is not 
materialize. So, so, but you can start by calling your, like, here's another thing to add to your list, ladies. Um, (laughs) call, Call your representative, call your senator, because there's a lot of stuff in the pandemic relief bill that's up now that's supposed to help. Um, alleviate some stuff, right? One is getting the schools the funding they need so that they can have all the PPE and the testing and, and getting these things done. But another thing is like a much more increased child um, subsidy, right? I think there's a proposal to send like $600 a month or something, or I think it's $600 a month to maybe I'm getting, no, I think I'm under saying that by a lot. I don't know. It comes to like $3,600 a year. I think um, it's $3,000 a child. That right, was what but Mitt you Romney can, was proposing. Right? You can get it. I think now it's thirty six hundred, and the proposal is you can get it monthly instead of waiting for it to be a tax credit. Mm. You can actually get a monthly check. Right. So that okay, can help but pay for what can you do care. with that? You can't pay for a babysitter. I mean, we have COVID. You, maybe you don't want to have people in your house who, you know, and run the risk of exposure. Well, maybe you can get a babysitter by the time that rolls through. In you know, yeah, March none of this April. is happening till like March at least. Um. You know, maybe you can pay for like daycare as it reopens, you know, things like that. I mean, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be everything. Um, but so one of the things they talk about practically is like you got to get rid of this idea that everything you do is perfect um, or that like everything has to be done a certain way. They were saying, like, don't add extra things to your to do list. Um which I, is what women do. I do feel a little bit, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I do feel a little bit like those of us who were just complete disasters before COVID weathered it a little better mentally because like we're used to everything being chaotic. Whereas like the the like the mom with the special needs kid, you know, she was she was superwoman. Before oh my gosh, COVID. she was a rock star when you read her day. Like, and she was like, and I loved it all. And I was yes. like, what? <laughs> she like, she she thrived on on being that mom. And I think people like that just take it so much harder when they can't do all that stuff. So I think just being able to to let go of that and just kind of swim with the chaos helps a little bit. Well, and not blame yourself too, right? Not say I'm not a good mom because this new kink has been thrown into the mix and I can't handle it. You know, I'm I'm not doing everything I used to do. And I think beating yourself up for that is a really um, common thing right now. But but, the you know, a lot of the articles that we've been reading say, you know, you can't you can't win. It's just everyone else is in the same situation. Right. And I think um, this may go back to an earlier episode we had, too, with Dr. G. This is a really good time to get your kids doing chores. Yeah. Um, because I've been thinking about this a lot. And in that, that I keep, we keep talking about the one woman in the New York Times article who is superwoman. Um, but she, at some point, I think she's the one, like her 11 year old started making the breakfast. Yeah. Um, started like putting the eggs on and getting stuff ready in the morning. And like, what a big difference that made. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and her husband works outside of the home. So like he's out. So she really needs all the help she can get in the home. As opposed to the other mom who is like, why did I ever think of make, making three separate breakfasts for each family member? Like, why why did I ever think that was a good idea? Right. Why is she still doing that now? You right. Why this? did I think of you when I read that? <laughs> <laughs> Be- because I'm not like I've I'm fine. You know, like we everything that we've been through this year is nothing compared to what most of these families are going through. And I like it actually relaxes me a lot of the time to like 
provide for my family in that way, like by cooking and baking. If that's not your thing and that's stressing you out, oh my God, dump it. Tell your kid to have toast. Like that should not be stressing you out right now. Right. And I think it's just, look, I think it's just hard to see when you're in it. Um, you know, I think like most people, when when that's your everyday, when that's your routine, when you're in this way of being, because um, I think she's also the one whose like husband was napping. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> I was like, uh, get his ass up. I was like, what the hell? Or she's like doing 8 million things and he's like popping popcorn. I'm like, what is happening in this house? Um, but I think obviously it's always easy to see from the outside. And when you're the one in it, it's really hard. And especially during COVID when you have no external eyes on you or like anyone that you can talk to about this who's saying like, you need to sit down. I mean, it is one of the things they say in this sort of piece on how to like deal with it was you need to have a serious conversation with your partner if you have one. Like, this is not the time to be falling back on those roles. And I got to say, like, to people whose partner is not pulling an equal weight by any stretch of the imagination like you gotta they have to step up like you can't wait for the person who's carrying the burden to implode um because that's going to be really bad for everyone (laughs) like you know i think all three moms one of the things that kept going over and over in their heads is like if i get covid like this whole family is doomed like if i get sick we all go down um and that is so true and I think that's what it is. It has to be a joint effort. Like if your kid is old enough to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, then they should be making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're old enough to help do laundry. Like they're old enough to fold laundry. They're old. Like there's always things your kids can help with and certainly your partner can help with. But this is just not, this is just like, I don't know. It felt like every conversation we've had in the last six years about moms doing so much more than anyone else in the family is this has just brought that to a head in the worst way. The other thing that that really gets me is all of the, you know, self-care. You know, oh, you have to take care, take time for yourself. And, you know, when my husband was sick and people would say that to me, go get a massage, I would just scream in my head, like, seriously? When? And like, how do you even think that I would be able to relax for two seconds? Right. And when people say this to parents now who've got kids at home who need help with their school who are doing eight loads of laundry a day to just relax and you know take an hour and meditate I just feel like that even adds more burden to the person yeah yeah I mean I think it was interesting in that article they were saying like what self-care really means usually is just that you're the only one who can give yourself permission to take back your time and energy like whatever that means for you and so like if your employer keeps wanting to have Zoom meetings, you can say, like, how about we make that a 10 minute phone call? You know, like mm-hmm. like there's kind of these ways that you have to try to reclaim a little time for yourself. And it doesn't mean like you're going to go get a massage. It just means that, you know, you if you can order in like you order in and you don't feel bad about it. Like, instead of saying, I'm such a bad mom, my kids have had Eggo waffles or Pop-Tarts every day this week for breakfast. Like, that's fine. <laughs> Every, everyone will be fine if they have Pop-Tarts. Um, if they have Pop-Tarts for dinner, everyone will be fine. If they have, you know, Stouffer's mac and cheese, like, whatever it is, um, you know, you, you just can't, you can't feel bad about it. I think that's part of it. 
Um, well, well I, I mean, that's like a totally different subject, but that's something that, that women especially do all the time when you, you do the thing that's supposed to make things easier, but then you ruin it by feeling guilty about it. No, you just have to do it and understand that you're doing it to save yourself. Yeah. And now that's probably more important than ever. Um, I don't know. This is just like the long-term toll of this is, I don't know. I'm so pessimistic about it. (laughs) Like, I feel like something great could come out of all this and like the government policy could change and everyone could realize that how we've been doing things is just totally wrong. um, And things have to change or we're going to have all these women who just missed out on work life and, you know, from everything from like long-term social security benefits to retirement to all these things that happen when women have to drop out of the workforce. Um, well, one of the women, you know, I, I kind of thought, oh, maybe this all boils down to money. You know, if she could afford to quit so that she could take care of the stuff at home. But then she was saying in the article, like, maybe I could get fired. Maybe I could quit. But then what would happen to my identity? Yeah. Because that's an important thing. That's the problem is that women's employment, so often people make it a financial thing. Like, well, you could afford to. It's like so dismissive. Like nobody would ever say that to a man. They take for granted that a man's identity is partly about his work. Um, Yeah. Or like I was reading a thing the other day, like if you're a mom who was at a law firm and you just now dropped out for a year, year and a half, um, or you cut way back on your hours, like you're off partner track. Like that was it. You just got totally screwed um so yeah it just doesn't benefit anyone to have women forced out of the workforce um or having nervous breakdowns because they can't do all this and it's not good for the kids right like it has these repercussions um anyway on that depressing note (laughs) we will put a link to this new york times feature that you know sort of is an umbrella on a lot of um, articles about moms and the pandemic. It really is mostly about moms. It's not so much about women. Um, but you can read the New York Magazine pieces, which are about both. And with that, um, God, I hope everyone out there who's struggling with this gets some um, relief um, financially, mentally, something. But And I hate to say that women have to kind of like take it upon themselves to start getting real with their kids and partners about needing the help. But unfortunately, that's the case, right? Women, if you don't speak up for yourself, no one's just going to offer. It sucks. Um, So with that, (laughs) um, we will be back with our Bites of the Week, which will have nothing to do with this. Promise. (laughs) (laughs) Something total distraction. We will be right back. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? I have a book that I just read that is just really, it's its a really good read. It's called All the Young Men, and it's by Ruth Coker Burks. And um, I had, I know that I had read like a paragraph about her years ago um, in some, you know, some magazine story somewhere about the AIDS ec- epidemic. And she was this woman, she's from Arkansas. Um, you know, she didn't have any kind of background in in medicine or anything. She just happened to be in the hospital one day taking care of a friend in the 80s and heard a patient needing help and went to check it out and realized that nobody was going into his room to help him because he had AIDS. 
Like the doctors wouldn't go in, the nurses wouldn't go in. They would just kind of toss food in every once in a while, leave it on the floor. And starting from that, she became the caretaker to, I, I don't even know how many men who died of AIDS. And she would shepherd them through, um, you know, not just the, the system, like to get them on Medicaid and Social Security and, you know, housing assistance. And she would be the one who had their information for the death certificates when they died. And she would uh, bury some of their ashes in her family family plots. And um, it's an incredible story. She's an incredible woman. And a lot of the story is about religion because she's a very religious woman in the best sense of the word, uh, who lived in a, in a town with a bunch of people who said that they were Christians, but then did, you know, they ignored Christ's teaching. I mean, they, they, she was a pariah because of, of the stuff that she was doing to help these young men. And so she, she talks a lot about that and about what it meant to realize that, that the family that she had thought that she had found in church was just not her family wow. at all. And um, it's just a good read. And, and you know, she, I also listen to the audiobook and which is great because she reads it and she's obviously not, you know, she's not an actor. She's not somebody who, who is used to doing that kind of thing, but it's, it's a hundred percent her voice and she's fantastic. Wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds good. I love when authors read their own book because you really get the feeling for it. Yeah. All right, Andrea, what do you have? Mm -hmm. All right, it's techie time. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, I had the wonderful opportunity to test out the new Samsung Galaxy S21 phones. I'm so jealous. I'm holding my S20 right now. Well, you know, if you've got an S20, I don't know that I would go to an S21 unless I was going to the S21 Ultra. Yeah, well, the, I have the S20 Ultra, so... okay. So, and you know, I'm an iPhone user and, you know, every time I say this is the phone that would make me switch to Android, but let me tell you, and it's not just because it comes in this gorgeous um, purple color, phantom violet, they call <laughs> it, but the S21 Ultra is an amazing phone. I mean, it's got five cameras. It's got a 100 times digital zoom. It's got a 10 time optical zoom. I took a series of pictures of um, icicles hanging from my from my roof over my deck. And I took them in like two times, 10 times, 20 times, 50 times. And it was just incredible, the detail that you can get. Um it has support for the S Pen. It doesn't come with an S Pen, but for people who like writing on their display, it has support for it. It's huge. It's a 6.8 inch screen, which you're used to, Amy, but I definitely prefer the smaller one. It's got 5G and it's not like hugely, hugely expensive at a starting price. It's $11.99 for starting price. The only thing they did to make it a little less expensive that I think people will balk at is they took away the SD card slot. There's no micro SD slot. So I don't know, you you use it. I don't know how many people um, add memory that way. Same thing for the S21 itself, which is smaller. I think it's 6.2 inches, but it's got this 
incredible display. If you play any kind of games on your phone, it's got a 120 hertz refresh rate, which is what you need to have that super smooth, um, you know, game experience. Um, it's got just this beautiful design. They call it um, a contour cut camera. So I think the S20 had that honking camera thing where it sticks out a lot and it yeah. really is noticeable. So this, they've kind of designed it where it's just a beautiful purple display, purple back, and then there's a gold covering cut into the design. And it's just beautiful. Oh, so is the back um, flat? The back is almost flat. It's it, it it juts out a lot less, but the part that juts out is not just the lenses. It's like it's like a covering over the lenses. So the lenses are flat within the cutout, if that makes sense. That that's how the 20 is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I have to look back at that. The starting price um, comes with 128 gigabytes. The starting price of Apple phones, you know, are much smaller now, I think. Um 128 gigabytes, I think, is pretty adequate for most people for their music and their photos, or you get the 256 and you know that you're going to be able to store everything. I don't know because I've never used a micro SD card, but I, I know that a lot of people on the review sites have uh, really complained about this. But if you're looking at just the S21, it's starting at $799, which is $200 less than the S20 started at. So uh, for me, I would certainly, if I was trying to get a more affordable phone, I would go for the S21 even without the SD card. So that's what I've been playing with. I really, really like them. I think they're beautiful. I think they feel wonderful. They look great. And um, I don't know, Amy, maybe I have to get you to play with the Ultra and see what you think. It's so funny. I don't even look at Android phones. It doesn't even occur to me. I'm like, whatever the next iPhone is, whenever my phone dies, that's just what I do. I feel the it's same so way funny. about iPhone. Like, I never know. Oh, there's a new one. I, I have no clue. Yeah, it's funny. The funny thing is when you look, you have to look to the Samsung phones to see what your next iPhone is going to have. Sure. <laughs> but then I just want I mean, it as an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But I will wait because um, it just works so seamlessly with all my things. So it's just, right. it's just funny. All right. Um, my bite this week is a podcast um, called Everything is Alive. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's the most delightful thing you'll ever listen to. Oh, my it God. Is, I've, I've listened to this. It is every week an inanimate object <laughs> from their point of view. And they are incredible actors who do these. And it's literally like a detailed interview with a can of cola, a broom, a lamppost, a pillow. Yes, a bar of soap, an elevator. And um, this is especially great if you have kids, especially kids who love like puns and, I don't know, cartoons and this idea that everything around you is alive and has a point of view and um, emotions and it's so delightful because they're just so smart. It's all these things you would never think that would be from that person's point of view. So like the lampposts, like, you know, she talks about how she can see everyone getting bald before they know, <laughs> <laughs> you know things like that. Um, it's just like it's so delightful if you are looking for and they're short. They're like 20 minutes. Um, if you're looking for just a podcast you can absolutely listen to with your kids, if you want a little break from screen time, especially, um, you know, have your kids sit down with some Legos or arts and crafts or puzzles and listen to everything is alive. Um, 
um, like a speaker, or smartphone, whatever, you know, smart device, whatever you have. But I highly, highly recommend it. It's not like a typical kids podcast. It's just a podcast that they would love. Just um, as a former acting major all through high school and college, what a delightful thing to be able to do. That would just oh be God. so much fun to plan out and explore. It's so funny you said that because um, one of the things it reminded me of is that song from, from a chorus from, line. From chorus line, yes. Uh, where she's like, I feel Every the cold. For I a feel, week, yes. feel the motion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, it just reminds me of when she was like, I felt nothing. Um, so that's what it's like. I mean, there's like a balloon. The lamppost is my favorite. Maeve, the lamppost in Brooklyn. <laughs> she's just so delightful. She has this like lovely Irish accent. It's just so excellent. You're like, why would the lamppost in Brooklyn have an Irish accent? I don't know. But um, I highly, highly I'm sure she knows. It. Yes, she does know. And she's like, you know, the um, this, the idol of her life is the lamppost and singing in the rain. So like, it's, just, it's just so good. You're just like, what is happening? This, and you're totally invested in this um, inanimate object's life. So I highly recommend Everything is Alive. We will put links to everything we talked about on the show today. You can find links and show notes and everything at parentingbites.com also on facebook.com slash parenting bites where you can find links to our episodes as well as leave us comments let us know how you're doing during this pandemic let us know if you need to just have a primal scream um, which we highly recommend go out in your backyard <laughs> go just call call your own voicemail whatever you need to do warn the neighbors exactly uh, please rate review subscribe and share wherever you are listening to us now and until next time, like happy parenting and oh, we hope you hold it together. <laughs> the end is in sight, I feel. Yeah. Um, so I let's hope. all, right? Let's all cross our fingers for a speedy vaccine rollout and, and life getting back to somewhat normal times. Until next time, happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.